Welcome to the Reaching Forward Podcast. Got power? We're going to deal with Ephesians chapter 5 this evening. And we want to look at a theme of get moving. So Ephesians chapter 5, one more chapter after this one. That would be six chapters, right? My name is Pastor Adam Bigelow. Glad that you could join us. During a robbery, the mask of one of the bank robbers slid down. This is even before COVID, right? But they, they wear them to rob banks. And his mask had slid down, revealing his face. The robber was in a panic and grabbed a man next to him and said, Did you see my face? And the man said, in bewildered, the man said, Yes. So the robber lifted up his gun and shot him. Then he grabbed the woman and said, Did you see my face? And she said, No, sir, no, sir. But my husband over there, he got a good look at you. Get moving. We like to deal with the theme of get moving. God gives us power to get moving. The last three chapters of Ephesians are the walking, the practical side. The first three chapters of Ephesians are the teaching side. Well, we crossed the dividing line last week, chapter 4. Now we're going to get moving. Let's do that. Verses 1 and 2 is the character of our walk. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So we have the character of of our walk spelled out in the first two verses. You see, there was a gentleman that came to church, and I hadn't met him before but I'd met his son and he introduced himself and you know, he's a great big fella. And he said, I'm such and such his father. And I looked at him and I said, yes, you are. The Bible says, be followers of God as dear children. Children resemble their fathers. The Bible, the word follower comes from the Greek mimites where we get mimicry. Or when I was in France, there were these people that would dress in black and put white makeup on their face. And they would walk behind tourists. This was in Paris. And they would imitate the tourists. And the tourists weren't aware of it, okay? And that was the joke. They were just street performers. They called them mimes. And eventually the tourists, you know, people would be laughing. And the tourists would look back or something and see this mime copying their movements. That's exactly what God means. We're supposed to copy God's manner of walking. But what does that mean? Walk in love. The The word love should characterize our walk. You say, well, what is that? Well, let's look at what it's not. Verses 3 to 8. Verses 3 to 8. Now, let me just read it and then I can go over it. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be named... Let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. 
So let's look at these things. What's the wrong kind of walk? These characteristics should not define us as Christians. When we get moving, this is not what people should see. Verse 8, verse 3, excuse me. Fornication, I explain that in Galatians, that's unlawful. It's sexual intercourse outside of marriage. Very clean, right? Very under, very unclean. The next one is unclean. Uncleanness. That's filthiness. You know, these people got married pure and simple. She was pure and he was simple. But that's being unclean. It's, and it's, there's a lot of ways to define that. That shouldn't define our life. Something that's filthy. Or covetousness. That's that, like little kids. Mine, 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 mine. Well, you know, a lot of these things which people call love, it's really about me or mine. And that's really what sin is all involved with. Not what I can give, but what I can get. More about that in a little while. Neither filthiness or foolish talking. It, look, that's how we speak and not just how we act. But the Bible says giving of thanks. There it is. Giving. Thanks. Thanks to God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Doesn't mean you thank God that you broke your arm, but you're thankful even though you broke your arm and your car got a flat and your cat got parvo. I don't know if cats can get it or just dogs. But you're thankful not for it, but in it. That's what the word of God means. Because you're a giver, right? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Why? Because in verse 5, whoremongers and unclean persons and covetous people who are really idolaters. It's all about them. They're worshiping themselves. They don't have any inheritance where God and Christ are concerned. And the Bible says don't even be partakers with them. And in verse 8, it said, we're children of light. We're different. We've changed. Two kinds of light. There's intellectual light. That's what you know. The moral light is what you do. You can have one without the other. Intellectual light sometimes is easier, right? You know, you can grasp a concept. Like losing weight. It's easy, right? Anyone can tell you this. The intellectual light is easy. Well, you just eat healthy and exercise. Duh. That's easy. Well, why don't people do it? Why is there an obesity uh, problem in the United States? Well, let me tell you. Easy to understand. Well, extremely difficult to do. That's the moral light. Why is it so extremely difficult to diet? It requires an extreme dedication or a devotion. Uh, Reverend L.D. Jones mentioned, uh, maybe when he was preaching, he mentioned he read in his devotions or his devotional time, but it was that word, devotion or devotional. Now, he's been a minister for many years, and I would put it to you that that's one reason, that, that he has a devotional time with God. Just like you need to exercise every day, you need time with God every day. I like what G.K. Chesterton said. He said, Christianity has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and not tried. You know, God works and dieting works, right? We just got to do it and walk in it. Verse 9, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness 
and truth. Verse 10, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. You know the life for God is proof that Christ exists. Someone can walk around and say things, but then that Christian walks into the room. They don't have to be perfect, but they're serving God, and it puts people to silence. What? The, the, the biggest arguments are silenced by a life lived for Christ. Your life, believe it or not, is a light to this world, and you are needed. Just like that song that we sing, I like it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And we sing the song in church, this great light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Lights don't speak, they just shine. Be a lighthouse. And verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. You know, when you don't join in the conversation or don't go to the... I remember when I was in uh, working for a construction company, uh, the gentleman who was the superintendent of the job we were working on, we were working at a house, and his name was Forrest. And Forrest, now I do live in the South, and that's a Southern name, I guess. He was going to take everyone out to lunch. And man, that's nice. So... Uh, I'm up for some free food. Well, where were they going? They had to go to Hooters, right? Well, if you don't know what Hooters is, it has nothing to do with owls. So I remember saying, you know, no thanks, I'm not going to go. And then the guy that gave me the hardest time was a religious guy. You know, it's not wrong and this and that. Well, you know what? I don't believe it's wrong to go to Hooters, but I don't think people go to Hooters for the wings. Okay, I've never been... To Hooters, in my knowledge, even before I was a Christian. But you see, when I chose not to join them, it reproved this religious guy. The other people didn't have, you know, anything. They're probably happy to go. But this man who God was dealing with him, that's how you don't, you just, what you don't do can mean as much as what you do do. For it is a shame, verse 12, even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. You're right. We don't even have to go there. Just don't go there. Have you ever heard that? Don't even go there. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. You know that God, when I was, when I heard the message of the gospel for the first time, I was like that light came on. I was doing things wrong, but the light wasn't on. And you know, you can do things wrong for a light time and kind of know something's off because you don't get the right answer. Like I was doing some math problems with my daughter and I wrote down 13 minus 12 and so she did some and I was checking them and I said well can you do this one again I said read it and she put her answer down and it was it was wrong so I didn't tell it was wrong I said read it she goes 13 minus 12 equals 11 and I said okay read it again she said 13 minus 12 equals 11 I said read it again I said honey uh, you know do you wonder why I'm getting you to read this again trying to get the light bulb to come on. She goes, 13 minus 12 equals 11. And so we went from top to bottom because I had 13 on the top and 12 on the bottom. So it's 13, she's 3 minus 2 equals 1. And then what about the other? What about the tens section? She said, 1 minus 1 is 1. And I said, okay, do it again. 1 minus 1 is 1. And then after a little while, the light bulb came on. And she goes, one minus one is zero. That's when the light bulb comes on. That light comes on. You're like, you know what? What in the world am I doing? 
And you think that people can actually walk around deceived when the answer is right in front of them? Absolutely. But when that light bulb comes on, then we know how to fix things. The gospel makes the light bulb come on. Christians living for God makes the light bulb come on. It's been shared. Someone may have never read a Bible or cracked one open. You know, really all they hear about Christianity is that, uh, uh, you know, uh, a protest in an abortion clinic or a, or a preacher that is, you know, fallen from grace. That's all really people, mainstream people hear about Christianity, like on the news or on social media or some, some weird Christian. I mean, there are some weird people. They're not spiritual. They're weird. But then they see a Christian in their, in their workplace and they've never cracked a Bible, but they see the love, they see the forgiveness, they see the encouragement, they see the humility, and the light bulb comes on. Wow, maybe there's something more to this than I've seen. Verse 14, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. You know, a lot of worldly love, and it from, you know, verse 3 all the way up to where we just ended, it's reciprocal, isn't it? Well, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. That's not God's love. You see, God's love starts with God and flows out. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 46, Jesus said, For if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Have ye? Do not even the publicans do the same? Isn't it true like a, uh, a rich old man could marry a rich ugly old man could marry a young beautiful woman well they both get what they want right the woman gets the money and the rich old man gets the beautiful young woman would the poor ugly old man get the beautiful young woman probably not and it's reciprocal now, i'm not saying it's wrong if it's a legitimate marriage hey go go for it but that reciprocal love is defined in the world i'll give you something if i get something back it's not much better than just give me, give me, give me. But that's not the love that God has for us. And Matthew chapter 5 and verse 46 speaks, but then Jesus goes back and he said, You've heard it's been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy, but I say unto you. I love this verse of scripture. Matthew 5 and verse 44. Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? Well, love is giving, right? That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Your walk is going to define who your Father is. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Our walk defines who we are whose children we are, that love is giving. Verses 15 to verse 17, and the wisdom of, of our walk. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You know, it's true that we can't really buy back time or redeem it. You can spend it, right? 
You can't save time. Well, stop your clock, right? Well, I'm just going to reset my clock. Well, that doesn't work. Time still goes. You can spend time and you can only spend it once. We ought to spend it wisely. And if we spend time wisely, we can actually seem like we have more time. Amen? Understanding what the will of the Lord is. Find it in his word. Find it in prayer. Find it when you're in church. Find it when you're praising him and being thanksgiving. Why praising and thanksgiving, preacher? That's not finding the will of the Lord. It absolutely is. Because when your heart is open, see, put a lid on a jar and then fill it up. Well, empty the jar out. Then put the lid on it and then fill it up. Pour stuff over. Right, nothing's going to go in it, right? Because the lid's on it. There's people that read their Bible and go to church with the lid on. And they expect to understand what the will of the Lord is, but they're not thankful. They're unthankful. And they're not praising God. And they cross their arms spiritually. And they say, I didn't get anything out of church. Well, you, you need to open... Take the lid off. Take the lid off, then your cup will run over. And you'll be drinking from your saucer because your cup is overflowing. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Begin to praise God. Praise Him on the way to work. Praise Him on the highways. Praise Him on the byways. Praise Him in the morning and at new time and at midnight. You know what? Praise Him. The song says, everybody praise Him. Why? Because that opens up my heart to God. And it lets God fill me up. Let God fill you up. Verse 18. Grow in power and be not drunk with wine. Why? Because alcohol is a perfect solvent. It dissolves marriages. It dissolves careers. It dissolves families. Well, Jesus drank wine. Show me in the Bible where he drank wine. He drank the fruit of the vine at the Last Supper, which the fruit of the vine is grape juice, okay? You don't buy it at ABC Liquors. You buy it at Publix in the kid's aisle, right? Or in the juice aisle. Jesus drank grape juice. The word wine is a general term, but uh, Jesus said that drunkenness is condemned in God's word. Be not drunken with wine wherein is excess. But the Bible said that's only one part of the scripture. But be filled with the Spirit. Let the Spirit of God, you got power, the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost is the power in the Christian. Not you're quoting Bible verses, not going to church a hundred times a day. It's the Spirit of God. I go to church because I need to hear about the Spirit of God. I go to church because I want others to get filled up with the Spirit of God. But the Spirit of God is what will get you moving. Verse 19, praise. Here you go. Start with praising God. You get the Spirit of God in your life, verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. First thing you need to do is talk to yourself. Do you think I talk to myself? I do. Have you ever talked to yourself negatively? Probably so. Talk to yourself this way. Spiritually. Build yourself up. Talk to yourself, say, man, girl, you need to pray. That's if you're a girl, right? Girl, you need to pray. God's going to bless you today. Talk to yourself. So the Bible said, speaking to yourself, right? And then in verse 20, give thanks. Get moving. Talk to yourself. Get moving. Give thanks. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father 
in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then we're talking to God, right? So we talk to ourselves, then that thanks brims out from ourselves to God. And then we go start acting towards others. We have the, the husband and wife relationship, which is the home. You know, Christianity starts in the home. Be a missionary to your house. I'm going to send every one of you. If you're here, you're listening. You're not here. You're right where you are, right? But I'm here. But if you're here and you're listening, I'm sending you as a missionary. Talk to yourself. Talk to God. And then go as a missionary. Where? To India? No. To your address. Read your driver's license. That's where God wants you to go. And start acting out the Bible in your house. Well, what's one thing? Verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You know, that's what we should realize. Submitting, we're all on the same team. We all need to submit ourselves one to another. I said, preacher, but you're the man. Yes, and men can clear the table and wash dishes too. And, but, but you're the woman. Yes, well, women can actually do things that men, you know, women can fix cars. My wife actually fixes the car a lot better than I do. I remember when I was fumbling with something, I think I was trying to fix my stick shift, my manual transmission. And I was trying to get some piece on underneath the car. And she was kind of laughing at me. And she said, when you're done, you know, I'll come help you. And as much as I could, I couldn't do it. And so she had, not just because she has smaller hands, right? But she came and did what I couldn't do. So submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. I love my wife. She's awesome. If she leaves, I'm going with her. Act toward others. There's a nervous bride. So the minute she said, I just don't know if I'm going to do the service right. So she came to the minister and the minister said, oh, it's simple. So tomorrow when we have the ceremony, just remember three things. First, you enter the church and walk down the aisle. That's the first thing. The groom will be waiting for you at the altar. Okay, easy. And then the third thing, Everyone will sing a hymn to start the ceremony. So three things. Walk down the aisle, the groom is waiting at the altar, and then we're going to sing a hymn, right? So on the wedding day, the bride remembered the order. So she was cheerful and she arrived and she was confidently repeating the order of service over and over and over, you know, first the aisle, then the altar, and then the hymn. So the groom came up next to her and, and, and she didn't even notice him, right? Because she was focused like a laser beam. But all he heard her saying was, I'll alter him. I'll alter him. I'll alter him. I'll alter him. I wonder how that first day was. But the Bible says in verse 22, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. There are a lot of people that might say, well, in today's day and age, this doesn't uh, work. Creature, preacher, just take a black highlighter and, and, and run over with a permanent marker and get that out of there. That's old time Christianity. No, it's 2020 Christianity. Wives, let me tell you, if you want your place of power, get moving to where God places you in submission to your husband. Why? Just like a football team, if you've ever seen a good one, everyone knows their place. Now, the quarterback 
Not everyone's the quarterback. There's one. But they call the play for the team. And what's why, preacher? So the team can win. And that quarterback and the team, that quarterback makes the call. Actually, the coach, the line coach, probably tells the quarterback what to do, right? And then that quarterback takes the, the order from the line coach or the, you know, the signal or something from the head coach and then calls the play. Well, that team works together in order to win. You see, when a wife is in submission to her own husband, to her own husband, not to all men, to her own husband in everything, it's because he's in loving leadership so that that family unit can win in life, so they can be blessed of God. The husband is a humble ought to be a humble man taking orders from Christ. Christ's not going to lead that husband to be disrespectful to the wife, to hurt the wife, to to you know beat the wife into submission like browbeat, okay? That beating is wrong physically, but to browbeat the wife into submission. That's not why the quarterback calls the play. It's so the team can win the game. And when the wife is in that her, her rightful place in submission to her husband, then she's really in a place of power because she's working in that team to overcome and to win as a unit. So wives, do that. It'll be a blessing to you. It'll help your team. That's your family. That's your team that God will bless in his order. Now, verse 25, husbands, love your wives. Love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church, and gave himself for it. That means to love your wives. Christ sacrificed on the cross because he loved the church. Christ prayed. He did things that were uncomfortable. My, my point is that as husbands, you have to do things that are out of your norm. You have to listen to your wife. <gasps> Preacher, yes. Listen, don't even figure out her problems. Just listen. Don't explain something to her your way. Just listen to her. I know it's hard. It's hard for me too. But it's a way that you can love your wife. Listen to her. Put the kid to bed. Listen to her. Listen to her until she stops talking. Don't ask her if she's done. She'll feel better because you've shown you've loved her. Find out what she likes. She might not like flowers. She might not like chocolate. She might like jalapeno cheese dip. Find out what she likes and do it for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. God wanted to bless his church. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. You know, there's two things that we need to focus on in loving our wives. Men, you know, this is also 2020 Christianity. Men, love your wife. Men, love your wife. How? Nourisheth and cherisheth it. There's a metaphor to how we love our own bodies. We take an action, we feed it, and then we have an attitude towards it. We like it. Action and attitude. Nourishing is an action. 
Cherishing is an attitude. We need to have the right actions toward our wife. But let me tell you, you have to have the right attitude towards your wife. You can't be bitter towards your wife. You can't have, an, you can't have that look. What look? She'll tell you. I know, because I've gotten that, like, honey, why are you looking at me like that? I've got the, even my daughter. It's like, daddy, why are you mad? Even if I'm just thinking about something. Women know the look. You have to have the right attitude and the right action. For we're members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Why so important? Because you see, a marriage, the family is the unit that holds the country together. It's not the Democrats and Republicans. It's married people. It's families. It's the building block. It's the atom of the organism of our country. And if it's built godly, the country will be blessed. And if it falls apart, the country's going to have problems. See, marriage is when a man and a woman become as one. The trouble starts when they try to decide which one. <laughs> you know, when a married man looks happy, we know why. But when a married man has been married 10 years and he's happy, we wonder why. So, preacher, because there's three rings of marriage, right? The engagement ring, the wedding ring, and the suffering. <laughs> this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. This one flesh thing, the church is the body of Christ. This compares the relationship of man and wife to Christ and his church. The church is not the bride of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. The church is not a she. The church is a he because Christ is the head and the church is his body. It's the metaphor of marriage being the relationship between Christ and his church. One flesh. Verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now, we've taken a while to get here, but if we start now, you know, I've shared that. If People have some issues that they're working through in their marriages, and we all are. But if it's taken a while to get to where you are, you're not going to get out in a day. But if you start now and start making little changes, you can take a walk out together. I understand that you can't put a little Jesus Band-Aid on a sucking chest wound, okay? But little by little, things can change. Well... Well, what do you have to do? Well, men have to love their wives. Love. That's what women need. Women, wives have to respect their husbands. They need to be respected. And don't wait for the other one to start doing it. You start doing it. Wives, start respecting your husbands. Women, excuse me, husbands, start loving your wives. Did you hear about those two cell phones that got married? The reception was perfect. And when we begin to do those things, the reception will be perfect. Our marriages will start to get moving. The building blocks will start to get moving. Not only will we be blessed, our children will be blessed, society will be blessed, the country will be blessed, and people will see Christ in our lives. And it works if you're single. Walk for God. Get moving. God bless you is our prayer. See you in church this Sunday. Come be with us, 9 a.m. I'm going to put our website on the show notes and you can check, subscribe, and these podcasts will come find you. God bless you. Have an awesome day. Amen. Get moving. Got power?